In a recent survey conducted recently, uh, they reported almost three in ten Australians have experienced religious discrimination. Uh, this is most more likely the case among younger people and people of a non-Christian religion. But encouragingly, almost 80% of Australians believe the government should do something about it and introduce legislation on religious discrimination. But this shouldn't surprise us because the gospel reminds us that following Jesus comes at a cost. It will put us at odds with the world. And Jesus says, everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm in the end will be saved. The world will hate Jesus' disciples then and now. And we were reminded a few weeks ago, we heard from Jesse about the persecuted church. And Jesus warns his disciples that persecution will be a reality that we face. But that's not the whole story. It's easy to be overwhelmed by this and to miss God at work in the everyday parts of life. In our own lives, in our own relationships. As you seek to live out your faith, as you live out the gospel, it makes a difference. And people take notice. And as a church, we want to be a family that supports each other as we live in this world. We want to be a place where you're equipped to give an answer for your faith. We want to be a home where you can return, find encouragement from the challenges of life. And we want to open the doors to all people so that they too can find refuge in Christ. And over the last few weeks, we have looked at these opening chapters of Acts, and we see that the church has been born as Jesus sends His Holy Spirit to His people. As people hear and respond to the Gospel, a new community comes to life around Jesus and His message. Last week, we saw that a lame man was healed, and it opened an opportunity for the Gospel to be heard by more people. And we saw that it wasn't because the church was anything special. Not because the apostles were anyone special, but because the gospel changes lives. It's a refreshing message of hope. And the actions and the message of this gospel gains favor with people. But as we see today, not all people. The healing of the lame man and the sharing of the gospel message brings the church into conflict with the local elites. Nothing new. From the beginning, we see God's people always at odds with the world that they lived in. Go right to the beginning where you read about Noah, who was at odds with the people of his day because of his relationship with God. You read about Abraham, Israel, the prophets, Jesus, now his church. All through time, God's people have been in conflict with the world because of the gospel. Now, this shouldn't discourage us. It should encourage us, rather, and give us courage and hope. Because despite the conflict, even in the midst of persecution, God's church continues to grow. And Jesus says He will build His church and not even the gates of hell will overcome it. And as we see today, how do we respond to this? As we respond to conflict, we do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. We do it through prayer 
and pray. And we do it through fellowship. Last week in the previous chapter, we saw that Peter and John healed a man lame from birth. This draws a crowd of astonished people and Peter takes the opportunity to share the gospel with them. And we read here that they come and they believe and the church grows to about 5,000 people. But what does it say? They heard the message and believed. Not the miracle, it's not what was done, it's the message of the gospel that they believed in. But not everyone's happy about that. Because here we have the priests and the Sadducees who are greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Now this group of priests and Sadducees were just as astonished about the healing of the lame man. But despite this, despite this act of kindness, this miraculous healing, they couldn't get over what the apostles were teaching. Specifically, teaching about the resurrection of the dead. And the Sadducees particularly had an issue with that. They didn't believe in the resurrection. But that's the conflict we find ourselves in today. Again, surveys show that Australians think the church makes a difference in their community. But at a public level, we see that certain state governments are looking to limit the practices of the church. Why? Because they don't like the message that we preach. In these moments, we find ourselves coming into conflict with social powers, social elites, and it is inevitable. But as we do that, we pray and ask that the Holy Spirit will give us boldness to speak the truth. But even as we do that, we might not change their minds. In fact, we're more likely to be rejected and restricted. Potentially thrown in prison. Because I would dare to stand here and pray for someone struggling with their sexual orientation or gender identity. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him, you be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. On a personal level, Christians who live out the gospel continue to gain favor with people. As you do that in your relationships, people will like you, oddly enough. When you're being kind, when you're being loving, Gracious and merciful people will like you. Now we may not find ourselves healing a lame man, but we can live out the gospel in our daily lives. And things like sharing a meal, asking if someone is okay, helping someone in need, even saying hi as you walk past someone on the street, no one's going to hate you because of that. No one is going to throw you in prison for being Loving and kind. And let me encourage you with this. 60% of the people you know are likely to come to church if you invite them personally. Especially if you're younger. The older ones, not so much. And as a church, we want to find opportunities to equip you to live out this gospel. To do that with courage, to do that with boldness. 
We want to do this with our kids, both as the church but also as parents, to help them know the gospel, to be confident in the truth and the grace of the gospel, and be bold in living it out in their own lives. We have a prayer and praise service once a month to ask for the Holy Spirit to help us to be bold and courageous as we live out the gospel. It's an opportunity to express our prayerful dependence on God as we live out our faith and the gospel. We have life groups as a place where you can gather in small groups to encourage each other, to share life together throughout the week and pray for each other. But how should we pray? As Peter and John are released and returned to the church, what happens? They share what happens, and as a response, they raise their voices together in prayer. They acknowledge God's sovereign character and His work of salvation, and they ask for greater boldness and power to serve. And so our prayers should begin with praise. Verse 24, Sovereign Lord, You made the heavens and the sea and the earth and everything in them. We begin by recognizing who God is. By giving Him the honor, Him the praise that is due to Him because He is God. And when we do that, it sets the tone and the perspective of our prayers. We pray to the Creator of the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything in them. He's not restricted to a particular domain of creation. There's a reason why there's one God and not multiple gods. We don't have the God of the sea, the God of the sky, the God of the harvest. and We, we don't have these other gods. Because there is one God. And He has made them all. He is over all creation, all authorities and governments. And their power, their authority is delegated by Him. He holds all authority and power in, in His hands. And we read in verse 28, even the conspiracy to kill Jesus was by the hand of God. Nothing happens without the authority of God. And this God, who holds all power and authority in His hands, He's not an autocratic dictator. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's loving. So much so that He will hand over His own Son to human authorities to satisfy His justice and wrath. This is the God we pray to. This is the God we can come before the all-powerful God full of mercy, love, and grace. And so why wouldn't you come to Him? Why hold back? You can come with confidence and faith. Because He has the power to accomplish His plans and His purposes. In confidence and faith, we can ask for boldness to speak. But do you notice it's not a prayer for protection, as tempted as we might be. It's a prayer for boldness and courage to live out our faith. Not to be per protected from persecution. And that's the prayer of the persecuted church. Time and time again, as they call for prayer, it's not for protection. 
It's for strength. It is for courage. It is boldness to live out the gospel. And it challenges us in our comfortable suburban world filled with first world problems to set our sights on the glory of God, not our own pleasure or safety. Because the persecuted church today prays exactly the same way as the apostles and the early church did. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Would you dare to pray like that? Would you dare to pray that you will live out your faith boldly in the workplace or at school, in your neighborhood or the community of people around you, even here? Would you dare to be so bold in your faith so that the gospel isn't simply preached but lived out in the lives of each and every person? Dare to step out of your comfort zone and share opportunities for prayer. Because when you share with each other, then you know how to pray. And when you pray for each other, then it encourages and strengthens you in your faith. And as you're encouraged and strengthened in your faith, then you have the courage to live it out. I've said it a hundred times and a hundred times more. The Christian life isn't something that we can do on our own. It happens as we share life together, as we pray together as we gather together in our small groups, in our life groups, or whatever groups exist, as we share together, as we ask for prayers, we pray for each other, as we express our dependence on God, that's where courage comes from. So commit to praying for each other. Maybe you start with a small group of people, two or three people, a, a triplet or a quad, uh, prayer group and be intentional praying for each other regularly and step out in faith and trust that the Holy Spirit will fill us with His presence and power to live and speak boldly. That's what we see here in the early church. As the Holy Spirit fills them, they are able to testify to the Gospel. But the Holy Spirit not only gives them courage to speak boldly, the Holy Spirit shapes who they are. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. As they came together around the gospel, around Jesus, the Holy Spirit unites them in Christ. It's expressed in generosity to each other so that no one had need. And we see the example of Barnabas who sells his field in no doubt living up to his name as an encouragement to others. And this is the kind of community that God intended from the beginning. This is the kind of nation Israel was meant to be. God designed Israel to be a place where there were no needy people among them. It was a radical design. And that's my prayer. That this will be the kind of community that will be built here by God's grace. A church that is united in Christ, 
not because of shared cultural or ethnic identity, not by relational, relational or social history, but Christ. We may come together because of our cultural or ethnic identity or because we have history together, but it is Christ that unites us. A family that is marked by generous hospitality to each other and the stranger. A place where the gospel is proclaimed with boldness and power because we are dependent, prayerfully dependent, on the Holy Spirit. I pray that this would be the radical community that God intended for His people. So keep doing that. Keep building on the hospitality and generosity that you have. And we've seen that recently with international China concern. Keep working towards a deeper unity in Christ. Keep pointing and encouraging, encouraging each other in Christ. As you do that together, as you share life together, especially in times of social conflict and tension, we need each other more and more. So take hold of the Gospel. And in prayerful dependence on the Holy Spirit, you can proclaim that with courage and boldness in the way that you live, in all that you say, and all that you do. The Gospel is an invitation to all people to join the family of God. A church where there is unity in heart and mind a place where no one is in need, and a fellowship where life is shared by all. Are you in need? Maybe not material need, but you may be in need. Will you share that? Share that so others can share the burden with you. We think that it's wrong for us to share our burdens with other people because it burdens them. But this is the church. This is God's family. And we walk together. If we cannot share our burdens, we cannot be the people of God. We have been shown such love and grace that we together Share each other's burdens. We mourn when we mourn. We rejoice when others rejoice. That is what it means for us to be the people of God, the family of God. Will you let others help you in life? As a church, we come to the end of the year and we begin making plans for next year. Our ministry teams will be looking for people to commit to another year of service. And I'd like to ask you to pray about how you will do that. How will you serve others? Understandably, if you need a break, that's fine. Let us serve you. Let us encourage you. Maybe God is asking you to step out into a different ministry to serve in a different area. Come talk to me. Or maybe you'll continue where you are. And that's great as well. Is there an area that you can grow in? Is there an area you can step up in 
the team that you serve. Whatever it may be, what part will you play in this community? What will you bring to God, not to us, to God, as you play your part in His family? How will you be generous with what God's given you? Your time, your abilities, your gifts, your home, your car, your material possessions, your relationships. What can you bring to glorify God and be a blessing to others? More and more we find ourselves in tension, if not in conflict, with the world around us. But that's not the whole story. As we live out the gospel through our good deeds, through acts of kindness, through the love of God, people around us will notice and we will find favor with them. But we can't do that on our own. We need to do this together. And we do that first through prayerful dependence on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us to be bold and courageous to live at our faith and to proclaim the gospel in word and deed. And every time we gather to praise God and to pray, we are expressing that dependence. As we continue in that, my prayer and I hope your prayer is that the Holy Spirit will continue to unite us in Christ. That we might be one in heart and mind. And that He will transform our lives to live out the gospel that we might be generous towards each other so that there would be no need. And by God's grace, I pray that through this community, this place, this church, He might save some. As the testimony of the gospel is lived out and proclaimed through his people, that people will hear, that people will see, and that people will know that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he has died for them, and he loves them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we hear these words, There is tension and conflict that we see in the world around us. And becoming all the more real in the times that we live. And Father, while we may not see the persecution that your church experiences elsewhere, Father, we pray for courage. We pray for boldness. And we ask that the Holy Spirit would fill us to do so. But we pray that we would be a people that continues to be dependent on you. That looks to you for strength, for wisdom, for courage. We pray that we might be people who pray for each other, encouraging and supporting each other as we seek to live this life of faith. And help us to do that practically. To be people who are generous towards each other so that no one is in need. And Father, I pray that we would see you at work in us and through us. 
that others might hear the name of Jesus and find life in him. And so we pray all these things in your name. Amen.